left has us all wrong. We don't want to simply turn the clock back to a time when the status quo of elitist deep state bureaucrats dominated us. We want to restore the republic our founders intended, an America that is of, by, and for the people. An America that abides by its constitution without fail. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. The Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner starts now. Hello, Patriots. Welcome to episode 244 of the Patriot Review. I have a special episode for you today. Um, first part is going to be a, a conversation with Dr. Ronald Boyd about the church. And many people are talking about the church today and wishing that their pastors, priests, reverends get more courage and speak out against what's happening in the world uh, with our governments and uh, all the tyranny that we see going on about us. So we're going to talk uh, with Dr. Boyd about um, churches of the past and church during the, the uh, Revolutionary War or leading up to the Revolutionary War versus today and what needs to what needs to happen there. And then I got an email from uh, a viewer and his wife about um, the practice of fasting and that that's not really talked a lot about anymore and the, the benefits of it and the strength that you can personally get in your faith as a result of it, as well as uh, the best way to, to really pray to God and elevate God at the same time. So we're going to go into that. I've got some videos for you that uh, really do a good job discussing it. So I'm going to approach this as if maybe fasting is a whole new concept to you, and maybe you haven't done it, or maybe you're aware of it but haven't done it. So we're going to cover the basics, but then we're also going to address basically uh, how the Bible says that you should do it. So that is the show today. I am going to just get right into it and uh, have uh, my discussion with Dr. Boyd here. I'd like to welcome back to the show Dr. Ronald Boyd, the TPR historian. Ronald, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me on again. You bet. You know, I wanted to just touch on the topic that a lot of people talk about but there's not much exposure to and that is the the definite absence of churches and church leaders in fighting the tyranny that we, we see unfolding right before us um, you know instead of instead of standing up for their biblical principles instead of fighting for freedom for people instead of oppression in this country and around the world that you know this is all being imposed on us by the globalists and our deep state in this country and uh, we see political prisoners we see you know cr criminal cover-ups by the FBI for for the sitting uh, the occupier the insurgent in the White House you know and uh, so I want to get some perspective on that uh, your thoughts on the role of the church in times like this uh, the role of the church should be inspiring, you know, quite frankly. They should uh, steer us to see uh, basically the will of God, for lack of a better term, I think. Uh, Perfect term. What they should do is they should tell us, you know, quite frankly, what we're seeing today, you know, obviously is, is prophecy. And what we need to do is we need to realize that these people are not in, in control at all. God is in control. We need to trust God. And this is what the churches need to instill upon us, is that we need to trust God. We need to understand he knows what he is doing, and we need to prepare ourselves for what's coming, you know, i.e. the second coming of Christ. Um, and... A long time ago, the churches did that. I mean, of course, it, it was more of uh, fire and brimstone back in the day, you know, particularly during sure. uh, the colonial period, where the churches did have a huge role in in the colonies. Uh, you know, as you are aware of, most of the colonies actually had an official religion, and 
the universities such as Harvard and Yale, they were seminaries. They prepared new pastors. And that's what they were set up for was training pastors. And yeah, I wonder I wonder how many of today's students know that and what they would what they would think if they knew that. Yeah, and, and you and you see like the universities nowadays, especially especially Harvard and Yale, they've lost their way. It's no longer uh the bedrock of the churches, you know, training pastors and stuff like that. They're training right. people to be woke. Uh, but the revolution, our revolution, although I really call it uh, the War of Independence, uh, they actually changed everything, as as you're well aware of. And you, you pointed out uh, a pastor to me uh, by the name of, of Jonas Clark, all of right. Lexington, Virginia, who was an architect of the revolution. If it wasn't for him, we might not have a revolution. We might not have had the revolution. And the churches played an, an important role in in the revolution. For example, yeah. they had the army had chaplains. The chaplains, they you know, performed uh church services mm-hmm. and probably communion. For a lot of these soldiers, because this was going to be their last communion. So right, it was yeah. important to prepare themselves, to steal themselves for the battle. And understanding that if they died, the next thing they're they're going to know is they're going to be in heaven. Uh, yeah, you know, so stuff like that. It's, inter- it's interesting because you, you call them soldiers, but it, they were... They were, but they were also just everyday citizens, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so right. so that's what's missing in today. We don't have we don't have the the pastors and the churches uh, preparing everyday citizens to fight this fight, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're they're woke. They're too right. worried about hanging the rainbow flag mm-hmm. and less worried about how long they'll actually be able to do it because right. because uh, when it when the you know what hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Um, all those rights are going to go away. I mean, this is going to be complete mm-hmm. tyranny. And That's right. So I want to get some clarification from you, though. Um, you're not saying there seems to be two camps in the in in faith these days. Mm-hmm. One that says, "Hey, this is a prophecy. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Just sit down because this is the end." You know. And then there's a the camp I'm in, which is, "Ah, but God gave us free will, and it doesn't have to be the end. We get the evil we tolerate." <laughs> And this may not be the time because we've seen evil before. Yeah. We could have said that with Adolf Hitler. Oh, this mm-hmm. is the end. Hitler's going to take over the world. It's not. Let's not go to war. Right. Right. So, 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 which <clears throat> camp? Which camp are you in? Uh, I don't know. I struggle with it every day, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, I listen to like my church leaders, and they, you know, they flat out say that God is in control. Uh, which they're right. He is in control. Sure, he is. And uh, there are certain things we probably do need to accept. Doesn't mean that we need to, you know, not complain about it. <laughs> you know, or not fight it. I mean, we we need to fight it, don't we? Yeah. Well, we need to yeah. fight evil. That, right. Exactly. That it's is, the same thing. That is true. We need to fight evil. We, you know, we can't tolerate the, what's what's going on. Uh, you know, the fact that yeah. you have uh, people who believe that. Uh, schools have every right to transition your child without your permission, without you knowing. Yeah, you know, which is BS. Just the because you send them, them, yeah, just because you send them to the school doesn't mean that you've signed away your your parental rights. You haven't. Well, and, they think they think you have. Yeah, and, yeah, that, and that's what that's, these people don't understand. And it's, yeah, well, it's just kind of mind-boggling, isn't it, what's going on in our universities? And we could talk all, or our schools, we could talk all day about about that subject alone and about how the destruction of the family, and uh, I hate to say it, I'm going to say it anyway, and I'll probably get some hell for it, but how feminism was manipulated to destroy not only the family, but the role of fathers and men in particular in society. Um so this quote, um, this is from an article that I'll, 
that I I'm gonna send or include in the description here mm-hmm. it says um, let's see it was the pastors who inspired the thinking that brought about the American Revolution they taught it in the churches yes the provincial congress of massachusetts stated in 1774 we cannot but acknowledge the goodness of heaven in constantly supplying us with preachers of the gospel whose concern has been the temporal and spiritual happiness of this people and do therefore recommend that they assist us in avoiding that dreadful slavery with which we are now threatened. I think that could, that could, uh, you would, you could see that, you could see someone speaking that in the uh, news television shows today, and it'd be just as applicable. I mean, we're really in a counter-revolution. We are the counter-revolutionaries in this case, aren't we? Yes, but the problem is, you know, if they did that, you know, oh, on, yeah. on some news show, they're going to be mocked, and and that's, that's the problem. Lot. And that's the problem of today is the lack of God. And it's thanks to the Supreme Court in the 1960s, which actually took prayer out of schools. Yeah. You know, and just one pushback on that a little bit is so what? They're mocked. I mean, these people were killed. Yeah. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no the, the 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 what the what there's a lack of is courage. Right on the part of the churches today a lot of them i'm not going to say every church of course but many churches too many churches mm-hmm. lack the courage to do what these people did in the past right um, quite frankly people need to look to the apostles for inspiration particularly paul now think about paul paul originally his name was saul and you know he was a jew and I believe he was uh, in the higher ranks of the priesthood, maybe. And he persecuted early Christians. He literally mm-hmm. killed early Christians. Mm-hmm. And on the road to Damascus, he saw Jesus. And Jesus asked him, why are you persecuting me? And that was an epiphany for, for Paul. And ever since then, he was a soldier for Christ. And he yeah. went all over the place to preach the word of God. And it and and he ended up dying as a result of it. He was yeah. murdered, you know. So yeah, right. um, that's something that we need to to look at and and realize that we need to have the the courage of Paul. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and I think what hasn't really hit people yet, especially Americans. I mean, let's face it, Americans are have been spoiled have been have taken things for granted Mm -hmm. and um you know i think i think that that also has an advantage to it and that is it doesn't take as much loss on a personal basis to motivate these people Mm -hmm. when people start experiencing personal loss and personal pain or if they already have and they finally connect the dots as to what's really going on Mm -hmm. you know my hope is that that they're gonna they're gonna say oh hell no this right. this isn't gonna happen you know um, and so if the uh, if the pastors don't get involved involved like they did in the past you know there's a there's a there's a position I feel like that's what uh, you and I are doing mm-hmm. I feel we're doing kind of what their role was we're you know we're both mm-hmm. Christians we're uh, this show is, you know, has its root and foundation in Christian values, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, so may, so maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe God's using us to be the modern day uh, pastors of a, of a sort. I mm-hmm. mean, f- filling that role. Um, well, if the so, pastors aren't going to step up, that means the lay people have to step up. You know, right. that's basically what it. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and the other, the other thing that I think from a positive standpoint is we do see a lot of younger people going back to the church. We see the mm-hmm. congregation sizes now growing yeah. where they had had years in decline, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So it seems – go ahead. And quite frankly, a lot of it's probably fueled by the younger males. You know, if you think about uh, 
male youth are more conservative now than they ever have been. You know, wow, they don't that's great. woke BS. I mean, after all, look at Connecticut. You know, Connecticut uh, passed a law stating that every male or at least one male uh, bathroom had to have tampon dispensing machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what did the male male students did? They tore it off the wall within 20 minutes that after it was installed. What does that tell you? It tells you they they don't buy into this BS that they're trying that the woke are trying to put in into them. You know. I think parents forget that. You know, we hear we hear what all the lessons were or are and all the woke crap that's being shoved down our kids' throat, and it works especially at the university level. Yeah. But uh, but. But there's also a number, uh, probably a majority of kids that are just like we were when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. We thought, uh, this is a bunch of crap. <laughs> what am I, yeah. you know, what am I sitting here for? And, is, yeah. and of course, a lot of those students aren't going to university. You know, yeah. they might go to a, a trade school or they might go to a community college, but they're not going to university. And so they're probably going to remain conservative for the most part you know which is probably yeah. good news for us right for for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction and i believe at times there's um you know an excessive reaction mm-hmm. it's kind of what i view the the whole woke thing as is this you know this obsessive overreaction to to, mm-hmm. to really nothing because mm-hmm. i don't really think that there was you know all the claims of racism and everything else you know i think this country was actually in better shape before obama took over oh yeah and, you know he, he had every opportunity but he really screwed it up with ferguson oh, yeah. and other and other situations oh yeah he could have been an inspiring leader but of course then again you know o- obama is not a leader he could yeah, lead a socialist on top of it yeah he couldn't lead a, a 12 man rifle squad across the street to buy a newspaper you know so uh yeah. come on corpsman follow me yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah right <laughs> all right well thanks ron appreciate uh appreciate the input in this and uh we're going to talk more about it in the coming shows i'm sure but uh, oh, yeah. i appreciate you being here today well thanks for having me you bet we'll see you again soon This is what we think of when we think of Armageddon, the utter destruction of America. There is no need for bombs, no need for World War III. Chaos, slavery, and terror will reign. The complete destruction of America and of freedom can be accomplished by one man. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. All right, we are back. So I wanted to uh, just add a little bit of a couple comments on uh, that interview with Ron. First of all, um, this is what this show is about, right? So... I don't want to put all churches in this this bucket, first of all. I know that there are some churches out there and some leaders in the churches that are really doing some good stuff. But I think overall you would agree with me that the the level of um of wokeness in the churches is astounding in general. And so we are forced then, uh, if they will not listen to their parishioners and change. We are forced then to do some things on our own. And this is where the perfect fit comes in with fasting and prayer. And I want to just read portions of this email that uh, I told you that I got from a viewer and his wife. And uh, it goes like this. Hi, Jeff. Thanks again. And God bless you. There is one thing worse that the stealing of the federal election in 20 of the stealing of the election in 2020. And that is the notion that we are not to mention it. And to deny that the election was stolen, which is pervasive in the Church of America, in America. 
so it goes on, and he's talking. He gives me a little bit of his background, right? And he um, he says that some are saying that we are living in a free state here in Florida because Donald J. Trump was elected president here. It may have been that the sheer massive turnout for Trump overcame the algorithms, which we hear that a lot if you're following the election um, the the election stuff that uh, that uh, Mike Lindell has been doing over time and Dr. Frank. Um, so he speaks of this uh, this this viewer speaks of the disenfranchisement that we are experiencing here. Says Webster's Dictionary defines disenfranchisement as to deprive of a franchise of a legal right or of some privilege or immunity, especially of the right to vote, disenfranchising the poor and the elderly, etc. Generally, the act of depriving a person of the rights, privileges, rights and privileges of a citizen, especially the right to vote. So we certainly have seen that. We certainly have seen the proof, the evidence that. Uh, that this is this is uh, has resulted in where we are today. So that's the most recent letter. He talks about that disenfranchisement. We're seeing the rights of people like Jake Lang, who I told you yesterday was moved to his 15th prison after 1,030 days without a trial for being present. He had the nerve to be present and use his First Amendment speaking rights and. Um, that's what he got for it. So we very much are in this tyrannical grip right now. So the the letter that started it all was, Hello, I found your website through Frank's speech. My wife and I have viewed uh, episode 241 and Breaking the Oath. We greatly appreciate your message on the Patriot Review, and we want to help. That is in regards to Operation Restore in 24, and I could use all the help that I can get. You can check that out on franksocial.com. And once you follow me, there's a group Operation Restore in 24. I'll talk more about that another time. Um, so he says, you know, I think uh, with Operation Restore in 24, it's it's a good idea to increase the contacts to your representatives, basically, and I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, but corruption is rampant in, it's in all the institutions, including the church, as Dr. Boyd and I just discussed. The Book of Judges captures uh, our situation in a series of cycles. It starts with God blessing the people of God. Then the people of God get fat and lazy, forget their, uh, forget their God, and they lapse into idolatry. And look around us today. What is it? What is everything about? Everything is me, me, me. Everything is, um, you know, I, I. Uh, I'm such a great person. I'm going to post everything I do and everything, you know, I, I think on social media because I'm so incredible, right? It's uh, it's just kind of a, a joke. And he's right. He's absolutely right. We've got we've gotten to this point of um, worshiping, you know, worshiping the counterculture, number one, right? Um, worshiping everything that is against our foundational uh, underpinnings, and that is all done on purpose, right? And he's right. Uh, so then he says, God then judges the people using neighboring nations. The people of God finally humble themselves and cry out to God for deliverance. God hears their cries, and because he is gracious, merciful, a gracious, merciful God by nature, he forgives, restores, and delivers them, and the cycle begins again. And it takes you know, a couple thousand years, maybe. I don't know. It takes time, in other words, before us to to come again full cycle because we're imperfect human beings. And here we here we end up. Here we are again. And I believe that we're at this point right now, the point of uh, God needing to hear more of us. Um, and I'm not saying that um, we automatically get what we want because we don't. But there is a tool, and that tool is prayer and fasting. And that's that's what this segment of the show is about today. So he um the the viewer and his wife, you know, they are let's just say they're you know, they're old enough to have a lot of wisdom behind uh what they've what they are seeing and uh, to know what's going on from the standpoint of faith. And we really are seeing an absence of, I don't know if we're seeing an absence of faith in this country, 
or it's more of a fear to show faith in this country? And that's an interesting question to me. I wonder what your opinion is on that. Uh, I think that we we need to restore our churches. Uh, we need to get back to the message that God's uh, God intends the church to actually uh, communicate to us, and to stop worrying about being woke and to stop worrying about you know uh, not hurting anybody's feelings because. This is what has led to all this. Uh, case in point, which may not seem related, is I mentioned uh, feminism in in that interview with Dr. Boyd. So here we are, back you know, back in my day, <laughs> uh, you know, we didn't worry about school shootings because they didn't happen, and they didn't happen because families were stronger, and they didn't happen because fathers were revered. They didn't happen because. Uh, men took responsibility for their children uh, and raised them and uh, raised them with Judeo-Christian values. And uh, since this is what we're seeing now, these uh, these violent acts are, you know, generally from, in every case, actually, from, from individuals who are mentally ill. And the, the thing in common with them all is that they had a weaker, totally absent father. And... Um, it's just something that is a, is a direct uh, symptom of the erosion of our society. So how do I want to do this? We're going to talk about fasting and prayer, as I said. But first, in, uh, recently, for a personal note, uh, my youngest daughter, you know, she's going through high school. And there's all kinds of the typical problems in high school and uh, cliques and all that stuff, you know. And um, so... I wanted to, I shared with her this uh, Matthew McConaughey video, and what I want to do is put us in the right place. First off, we got to get out of the mindset that um, there's nothing I can do. Uh, I'm a victim in all this, and I, I can't fight City Hall, right? But when you look back through history, there have been many, many examples of people who did just that successfully. And, uh, you know, the difference between a hero and a zero is action, right? And um, that's that's what I really think of it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just crank up this video here, and I, sh I shared this with my daughter. Now, if you have you know children who are going through some difficult times, and um, it relates to friendships and that sort of thing, you may want to do the same thing. I'm gonna talk to you about some things I've learned in my journey, most from experience. Some of them I heard in passing. Many of them I'm still practicing, but all of them I do believe are true. Life is not easy. It is not. Don't try to make it that way. Life's not fair. It never was. It isn't now, and it won't ever be. Do not fall into the trap, the entitlement trap, of feeling like you're a victim. You are not. Get over it and get on with it. So the question that we've got to ask ourselves is what success is to us? What success is to you? Is it more money? That's fine. I got nothing against money. Maybe it's a healthy family. Maybe it's a happy marriage. Maybe it's to help others, to be famous, to be spiritually sound, to leave the world a little bit better place than you found it. Continue to ask yourself that question. Now, your answer may change over time, and that's fine. But do yourself this favor. Whatever your answer is, don't choose anything that will jeopardize yourself. Prioritize who you are, who you want to be, and don't spend time with anything that antagonizes your character. Be brave, take the hill, but first answer that question, what's my hill? So first, we have to define success for ourselves. And then, we have to put in the work to maintain it, take that daily tally tend our garden, keep the things that are important to us in good shape. Where you are not is as important as where you are. It is just as important where we are not as it is where we are. Look, the first step that leads to our identity in life is usually not, I know who I am, I know who I am. That's not the first step. The first step is usually, I know who I am not process of elimination. Defining ourselves by what we are not is the first step that leads us to really knowing who we are. 
You know that group of friends that you hang out with that they really might not bring out the best in you? You know, they, they gossip too much or they're kind of shady. They really aren't going to be there for you in a pinch. Or how about that bar that we keep going to that we always seem to have the worst hangover from? Or that computer screen, right? That computer screen that keeps giving us an excuse not to get out of the house and engage with the world and get some real human interaction. Or how about that food that we keep eating? Stuff that tastes so good going down, it makes us feel like crap the next week. We feel lethargic and we keep putting on weight. Well, those people, those places, those things, stop giving them your time and energy. Just don't go there. I mean, put them down. And when you do this, when you do put them down, you quit going there, and you quit giving them your time, you inadvertently find yourself spending more time and in more places that are healthy for you, that bring you more joy. Why? Because you just eliminated the who's, the where's, the what's, and the when's that were keeping you from your identity. Look, trust me, too many options, <laughs> I promise you, this, too many options will make a tyrant of us all. All right, so get rid of the excess, the wasted time. Decrease your options. If you do this, you will have accidentally, almost innocently, put in front of you what is important to you by process of elimination. Knowing who we are is hard. It's hard. Give yourself a break. Eliminate who you are not first, and you're going to find yourself where you need to be. Instead of creating outcomes that take from us, let's create more outcomes that pay us back, fill us up, keep your fire lit, turn you on for the most amount of time in your future. We try our best, we don't always do our best. Well, architecture is a verb as well. And since we are the architects of our own lives, let's study the habits, the practices, the routines that we have that lead to and feed our success, our joy, our honest pain, our laughter, our earned tears. Let's dissect that and give thanks for those things. And when we do that, guess what happens? We get better at them. And we have more to dissect. Be discerning. Choose it because you want it. Do it because you want to. We're going to make mistakes. You got to own them. Then you got to make amends. And then you got to move on. Guilt and regret kills many a man before their time. So turn the page. Get off the ride. You are the author of the book of your life. All right, so why did I show that? Well, because if you're a viewer of this show, here's who I believe you are not. You are not a person who does not believe, you're not a person who doesn't believe in God, and you're not a person who will accept and sit quietly by as you watch the freedom of future generations being destroyed. You are not a person who spends more time in vain pursuits than they do in caring and being involved in what's going on in this country today. You are a person who has the knowledge and the, the right to get involved in this, this fight. So this video, I just, you know, I showed it because I thought it was a great message to talk about the, the need to be present in the moment, to put everything else aside and ask the question, what am I not? That's a great point to start at because you have to be in the right frame of mind after you know talking and looking about, um, uh, about prayer and about uh, fasting. Uh, the right frame of mind is going to be something like, um, yes, I'm aware that prayer and fasting is beneficial, uh, but it's 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 not for me. It, I can pray about me and my involvement. I can pray about the changes that I need. And I think we all need to pray for a couple things. We need to pray consistently for those of us that do good, that are fighting the fight, the so-called white hats, right? And we also need to pray for our enemies and pray that their hearts change and that they see the light, literally and um, leave it to God and uh, not 
not uh, not pray with expectation or with only personal gain in mind because uh, that's just not what it's all about. And so what I did is I picked a couple of other videos that really talk about about prayer and fasting at a more basic level. And there's some important points that need to be made, but I'll let the videos speak first and come back and make those points. The more you focus on your difficulty, your hardship, or even your pain when you're suffering, the more you focus on it, what happens? The bigger it gets. Well, I've, you know, I've, I've been going through this, and I've been going through that. And if your friends listen to you and say, oh, I'm so sorry, I feel so sorry for you, the more pity they give you, the bigger it gets, and the bigger it gets, the more you doubt God. And so the issue is focus. And I think, when I think of focus, I think of many instances in the Bible, but one of the primary ones is Daniel in the lion's den. And so uh, the Bible says he slept with the lions all night. If he'd have been focused on lions, he wouldn't have been sleeping. He'd have been over in the corner somewhere, all crouching down, hoping that they wouldn't see him or something. And it brings me back to one of my most favorite illustrations when God just did something for me in one of the most difficult times of my life. It probably was one of the, up to the very top. And uh, this lady came to see me, and she said, uh, I want you to have lunch with me, and then I want to take you up to my apartment and show you something. Well, she was about 70-something, and I was 30-something, so I felt pretty safe. And so... <laughs> so... Uh, uh, we ate lunch, and I, I went to see her, and I was going through a very difficult time at church. They were doing their best trying to get rid of me. And uh, so she, uh, we walked in. She said, now, don't sit down. I want to show you something. Walked over and showed me this picture of Daniel in the lion's den. And she said, now, son, uh, I want you to tell me what you see. So I said, well, and I can still remember looking at that picture. I see this line over here looking up and this one looking down and see the bones. And so I thought of everything this little lady could possibly have thought about. And I said, she said, well, do you see anything else? I said, no. She said, if you'll notice. And, and the picture had all these lines and Daniel had his hands behind him. He's looking at this ray of light. She said, what I want you to see is Daniel doesn't have his eyes on the lions, but on God. It was like God hugged me that day. Because from that moment on, all of my fears disappeared and all of my uncertainties and uh, a lot of other things probably disappeared because she got my focus right. When you focus on the trouble and the heartache and the burden and the pain, it gets bigger and we feel less confident, less significant and overwhelmed. Because remember this, Daniel was looking at omnipotence who created the lions. He could shut the lion's mouth. He could have killed every one of them in a second. He just let them hang around while Daniel went to sleep that night. And before he probably went to sleep and when he woke up, he went over and looked up and just reminding of God that he was where he was because he had obeyed God and God delivered him. God always operates on the basis of principles, not on the basis of feelings and how we feel, and so on principles. For example, the simplest one is we reap what we sow more than we sow later than we sow. God always operates. He does never change that. And so, uh, for example, one of those principles is obey God, leave all the consequences to Him. That means I'm going to do what He says. I'm going to let Him take care of the consequences. God always acts. For example, He says one of those principles is that God acts in behalf of those who wait for Him. And so, if I'm going to act on the basis of principle, then I know I'm going to be heading in the right direction, doing the right thing, because God operates on principles. And that's the reason you and I can learn how to relate to Him. Because if I don't understand His ways, then I'm going to say, God, what are you up to? Well, He's just up to doing and being who He says He is. And so you could come up with most any problem, and I believe, give me a little time, and I could come up with a principle to say, if you'll obey this principle, watch what happens. Because God wants us to obey Him. And listen, Leave the consequences to Him. Let me ask you a question. Is there any consequence of your obedience God can't handle? Right? None. He can handle every one of them. 
Well, if I obey Him and leave the consequences to Him, here's what happens. I'm going to be able to have peace and a sense of joy and confidence and assurance. It doesn't make any difference what's going on because He's in control. And if I'm obeying Him, He's already taken care of it. Because, listen, the only thing that can happen in your life is what God allows. If you're a child of God, what He allows, He allows for a reason. I may not like it, and there have been lots of times I've told him I didn't like it. And you know what he said? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> he just let me hammer away with it and, and deal with it until I finally said, God, I know you're right. I don't like this. I know you're right because that's what your word says. And even though I don't like it, I want you to have your way no matter what. When you're living with guilt in your life or you're living with sin in your life, you're going to have a very difficult time trusting God because sin short-circuits the power of God in a person's life. All right, so we have covered a couple things so far, and I'm going to just go through those real quick. So we've covered, uh, number one, there are many churches who are not active enough, who are going woke, and uh, if you are in the unfortunate position that that is your situation, then you have to understand that you have to take action yourself. And I'm not talking about, you know, like me doing this show or like you speaking out of the school board meeting. All that is great. I'm talking now about spiritual action, right? So I wanted to get you in this place first to realize that to, to look, to examine whether or not that is your situation and the church, um, you know, if you have a church, are they in that same? Are they in that same st uh, status, the woke status? And are they not doing their job when it comes to talking about and uh, sending the message of God to fight back against evil, the evil that we're seeing in our country? Then, secondly, right, we talked uh, about the whole concept of being a victim and how you're not a victim, and we have to rise above that, discover what we are not, and hopefully that leads to what we are and some affirmation of what we are based on your behaviors. So you may need to modify your behaviors once you discover what you are not and what you then will, de will discover the what you are. So the next step is to, to talk about the tool that you can personally use in this mission, this battle of good versus evil. And that is prayer, well, have faith, prayer, and fasting. And if you're not familiar, I mentioned at the top of the hour that I'm going to start at the very basic level. And I have another, another video from Dr. Stanley, which talks about fasting uh, in general. So we're going to play that one, and then I'll be right back. What are your greatest needs? Have you talked to your Heavenly Father about them? When we set aside time to listen and wait upon God, we prepare ourselves to hear from Him. Today's email asks about the practice of fasting and what advantages it has for the believer. So the email reads, when praying for a need or an answer to prayer, does fasting really help? Jesus told the disciples that one kind of demon could only be removed by fasting and praying. Well, fasting does help in certain situations. In the Old Testament, for example, you'll remember that Nehemiah prayed and fasted before he confronted the king with what he desired. Daniel, in seeking the Lord's wisdom and guidance for timing about prophecy, he fasted and prayed. In the early church, before they sent out Barnabas and Saul, the scripture says they were fasting and praying. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives instruction, clear instruction about fasting and praying. And if you'll notice what he says, he says, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the appearance of the hypocrites and so forth. And what I want you to notice here, he says, when you fast, that is, fasting is not commanded for the believer. So the question is, how does fasting help? Well, one of the most important things it does is this. It increases our sense of humility and dependence upon the Lord. When you begin to pray and to cry out to God, you set aside everything else for fasting 
God begins to work in our heart in a deeper, more intimate way than ever before. Because what you've done, you've humbled yourself before him and said, God, I need you. That's what Nehemiah was saying. That's what Daniel was saying. That's what the early church was saying. Also, it allows us to give more time and attention to prayer. When a person sets aside eating, for example, not drinking water, but necessarily eating, what you're doing is you're setting aside those things that are normal part of life and an essential part of life because you desire to get God's attention about something in your life that's very, very important. The idea of fasting is an expression of where we think the importance is at that time. Thirdly, it's a good exercise of self-discipline. And what happens is this. When you set those things aside, God has a way of getting into a deeper element of our life. Oftentimes, it is in fasting and praying that a person reveals what they really are on the inside. And secondly, the reason is because the Spirit of God reveals to them what's on the inside. And oftentimes, it'll be some sin, something that you've not thought about. Something maybe you'd put aside many, many years ago. God begins to dig deeper and deeper and deeper because here's what happens. When you fast, it heightens your spiritual and mental alertness. You begin to see and feel and sense things in your life that you did not before. Your alertness to God, to the Holy Spirit, He's able to show you things about your life you could not see before that. Therefore, it is very important in certain situations to fast and pray. It also expresses our earnestness and our urgency in our prayer. This prayer is so important, God. I want you to hear me. I need some direction. And oftentimes it is a prayer not only of urgency but of of desperation. And it is so important that you and I find this answer. We set aside everything, not just eating, but relationships, work, or whatever it might be. So are there advantages to fasting and praying? Many, many advantages, very important ones. Now, here is a warning. You cannot force God to give you an answer about something or to give you something by fasting and praying. When a person says, well, I'm going to fast and God's going to hear me then, well, he may hear you without fasting, but sometimes that is very important. But you cannot force God by fasting. Here's the advantage. It gets us ready for God's answer. And God's answer may not be what I want it to be, but he gets me ready because, you see, he's cleansed my mind and my thinking and helps me to see things from his perspective that's so crowded by situations and circumstances and eating and drinking and relationships and all the rest. When all that gets cleaned out and it's just you and God, the greatest help is it draws us into a sense of oneness like nothing else. God honors the right spirit and the right motive when we come to him in fasting and praying. You will be blessed. And if you have never tried it before, don't just say, well, I think I'll fast and pray. No, ask God to lay something on your heart that is so important to you that you desire to lay everything else aside, that your intimate relationship with him can reach a pinnacle that you had never experienced before. Well, thank you for joining us today on In Touch. And until next time, obey God and leave all the consequences to Him. As sometimes that's very difficult, but believe me, it's living life at its very best. All right, so here's my ask of you. Here's, here's, uh, my, <laughs> here's my challenge, is, is a better word. Uh, number one, Set some time aside, you know, to to explore the concept of fasting more. There is a lot more stuff out there. You can find videos on fasting and 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 how people do it differently and what it's uh you know what it really should be and how you do it. Like I said, you know. So first off, I want you to do some homework. I want you to get more involved in in uh, the the fight of good versus evil. So once you feel comfortable with having the knowledge that you need to fast appropriately, um, you'll be in a great spot. And I want to say this too, you'll notice the Bible passage that was shared. Um, You notice also, I'm not calling for a particular day. I'm not calling for a number of days. I'm not calling for, hey, you know, on, um, on February 28th, let's all fast. Why? 
because this isn't about, and it's not supposed to be about, and the Bible verse is, is, is talking about uh, hypocrites, right? So this is not about, you know, putting on a show and uh, saying, hey, uh, you know, we're fasting, aren't we wonderful? I didn't determine a day, I didn't specify a day, because each of us is at a different place in our journey, and it's not about getting credit for it. It's about being at the right place in your journey to do it effectively for yourself. So I want you to do the homework, and then when you feel you're ready, you know, set aside a day that you know you can devote to it. This is not a day where you know you have to do 1,500 things and you're not going to really think about what fasting teaches you. So do the homework, set aside the time, the day before you fast, think about the other things that we talked about. Think about the fact that you're not victims, that we're not victims. Think about the fact that, you know, the the ask of God is of critical importance. And could there be could there be any more of critical importance than than uh, humanity rediscovering God and of freedom and freedom of religion and freedom of speech to actually be secured and elevated and uh, brought back to the American uh, way of life and the Judeo-Christian values. I don't think there can be anything more important than those things. And the legacy of faith and freedom for our children, you know, is another. So again, you study, study fasting, um, set aside the correct day and then put yourself in a place ahead of time the day before you fast think about those things that i just discussed so that is my challenge to you and if we elevate each other and if we elevate our prayers to god and we do the prayer and fasting uh, you've all seen prayers be answered you've all seen that now of course i can't guarantee and god doesn't guarantee that Everything's going to work out the way that we want it, as was said, right? But but the the journey is as much individual as it is uh, collective, and that's that's the value of it to me. So I hope that you found this episode useful, and that the videos that we showed at least gave you uh, you know a basic idea of 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 uh, what we need to do going forward. And um, I, I thank you uh, to the thank you to the couple who sent me the letter, and I hope that uh, this show ended up being satisfactory for you. And uh, we'll, we'll certainly revisit the importance of faith many times in the future. So thank you. I'll be right back after this short break. Hey Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. Let's face it, it's getting harder and harder to make ends meet. It's only going to get worse. This inflation is going to continue. As a matter of fact, our dollar is in jeopardy of even existing with the crazies that want to go to the digital currency to control us all. You can go to com slash the Patriot Review, get all kinds of free, great information, and invest in gold and silver for your future. Our world is full of electromagnetic fields that even though we can't see them, are affecting our bodies, our sleep, and even our ability to think clearly. The advent of 5G is only making this worse. There is an answer. Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patreon Review show description below to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF and 5G and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? Get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation eBook free by clicking on its direct link also in the show description here's a nutritional hack anyone can master replace a meal a day with our kingdom feel or if you're a moth from the gym add a shake to your daily meal plan our unique meal shakes are balanced low glycemic rich in fiber 20 grams of clean protein essential vitamins and minerals healthy fat and organic fruits and vegetables kingdom feel is vegan with a complete amino acid profile Bottom line, it's a simple start to a transformed life. No gimmicks, just results. Start today. Hey, Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR 
or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. All right, we're back. You can get your hands on some Kingdom Fuel and other great supplements by going to Sherwood.tv slash TPR. Sherwood.tv slash TPR. And you can also follow uh, the Breaking the Oath, watch the Breaking the Oath documentary at my website, which is redbloodedpatriots.com, redbloodedpatriots with an S, dot com. Or you can go to America First Productions, America the number one stproductions.com, and uh, watch it there. There's also, it's free to watch. Uh, there's also a director's edition, which you can download the documentary and get extended interviews with the cast members. So uh, again, Thank you for being here, for following me, and thank you to those uh, that uh, you know, take action and write me and uh, and help me out with uh, some of the messaging. It's good to know. It's good to hear what people want to hear. I'm going to leave you in a little bit different way today, and that is just a reminder that you know, as we look at all the stuff that's going on around us and all the evil that we see and the battle of good versus evil and uh, the fear. Yesterday I talked extensively about fear. And I think that, uh, you know, Abraham, one of my favorite quotes by Abraham Lincoln, uh, he talks about, I often find myself on my knees because there's no other place I can go, meaning in prayer. So I hope that today uh, motivates you to, to pray and to fast as we discussed. And again, I thank you. We're going to go out with a reminder that in the end, God always wins. That is the truth. Well, tired and so weary, but I must go along till the Lord
There'll be no sound. 